special attention to water well drilling and kindly sent me much information on early practices. The account of the future General John Pope's attempts to drill wells from the West Texas through New Mexico is given in History of Oil Well Drilling by J.E. Brantley, Gulf Publishing, Houston, Texas, 1971. Alden Hayes, friend, neighbor, and previous owner of my home who replaced the windmill with an electric pump, talked firsthand about maintenance. Uncle Lou and my cousin, Jack Salmon, investigated the remaining tower and showed me how the winch positioned the wheel. Alden also told me about building fence, which is much harder with our rocky soil where a post-hole digger won't work. It would have worked on those high planes, so for instruction in using one, I turned to Don Worcester of Aledo, Texas, whose graduate students came to believe that Ph.D. stands for post-hole digger. The damage hail wrought to cattle, horses, and crops is documented in many places. A couple of minutes of hail could completely destroy a year's corn or wheat. However, there was truly a rural neighborhood whose people, after losing all their crops and a number of cattle, gathered up the big hailstones and, just as the wedding party in this book do, made ice cream. Jeannie Williams, Cave Creek Canyon, Chiricahua Mountains, Arizona. June 12, 1996. Chapter 1 Even though these late April days could get downright hot before noon, nights were chill on the high plains of no man's land, edged by Colorado and Kansas on the north, New Mexico to the west, Texas south, and the Oklahoma district on the east. Julie poked her head enough out of the tarp protecting her bedroll to see Cap McLeod lean out of his bed to start the fire with cow chips, withered soap tree stalks, and thistles he wrapped in a tarp each night to keep dry from dew or frost. A little beyond camp, the capped casing of the well above which they were going to erect a tower and windmill thrust eight or so inches above the slush and tailings left by the well driller. Colonel Jess Chandless, the most powerful rancher in this unclaimed region, had engaged Cap to put up windmills at a dozen wells. The crew had hauled materials for this windmill, but Chandless would have his men pick up the other tower and mill parts at the railhead in Tyrone, about 75 miles northeast, not far from liberal Kansas. After the Kansas boundary was set as the southern quarantine line for tick-carrying Texas cattle, the spur had been built so cattlemen could ship their cattle from no man's land. The windmillers were running a little late on Chandless's mills. A raw-boned former schoolteacher, Cora Oliver, had intercepted them three days ago. She'd hired a well-drigging outfit to dig her well and ordered her mill and the tower parts from a liberal supplier. Would Cap put up the mill and take some of his pay in eggs and butter and such? He would. So the crew had located Chandless as well just before dark last night. Now, with the skill born of thousands of such mornings, Cap got the fire going, adding slats from a windmill packing crate for stain power. What clothes he hadn't slept in, he pulled on beneath his tarp, then sat on top of it to lace up his boots. His rust and white-spotted hound, Lemoyne, poked his long muzzle out from under the tarp, mournful eyes reproaching Cap for rousing him. Lemoyne never tried to crawl under the blankets, but he claimed equal rights to the tarp. Columbine gave her plaintive good-morning bray. Absalom added his gruffer notes. To hush the duet, Cap had to go caress them. 
They were big mules, bred from the same gray sire that Cap proudly boasted was descended from royal gift. The jack sent to George Washington by the King of Spain and the pride of the first president's breeding program. Columbine's mother had been a Percheron, and Absalom's a Belgian. Having soothed his team, Cap ground coffee beans in the grinder permanently attached to the chuck box facing out from the back of the wagon. He never ceased to be grateful that Arbuckle had found a way to roast the beans and coat them with a sugar and egg glaze so they'd keep fresh a good while and didn't have to be roasted right before they were used. He filled the two-gallon coffee pot from the water barrel, dumped in about three-quarters of a pound of coffee, and set it on to simmer. Cap was particular about coffee. He used only Arbuckles, and the pot had to be scrubbed clean every night. By supper, that'll be strong enough to carry that pot away, he chuckled.